Hey, everybody, and welcome to Sciotis Insiders Podcast. We are here with episode four. I'm so very thrilled to be back. Um, today, we have a very special guest near and dear to my heart, Chris Wunsch. Um, he's going to be talking to us about um, a lot of the feedback that I've been getting from you guys. You guys want to know how to get into the federal sector and why aren't you getting picked up to get in the federal sector? Um, some, some information about you know when you're transitioning with uh, veterans benefits and stuff like that. So um, glad there there's no one better in the world in my book. So uh, we're gonna hop right into it. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I, uh, as Trey mentioned, I'm Chris Wunsch, and uh, Trey and I, I guess we've known each other since uh, probably, what, 2006? Yeah, so um, yes, sir. we met in the 230th Military Police Company. Um, Trey was, I was a platoon sergeant, Trey was a young soldier, and uh, definitely one of the uh, informal leaders of the platoon at the time. Of course, we had our, our uh, professional discussions. But uh, we've got some good history, and uh, it's amazing what, what what Trey's done with his his uh, professional and family, you know, personal career um, since he's gotten out of the army, and also in the army. But a uh, little bit about me: I served a quick twenty years in the United States Army. I'm a retired uh, first sergeant. I was first sergeant of the one twenty seventh Military Police Company at Fort Carson, Speed and Power, and I was also uh, operations sergeant for the two thirty MP Company two of my highlight jobs while I was in. I spent 15 years in Germany, um, 15 years assigned to Germany. Let's put it that way. I uh, became fluent in German. I always say it's amazing what young soldiers would do for women and beer. But, uh, <laughs> I, uh, it, you know, being fluent in Germany really, you know, helped my units, helped me. I, um, I married a German. I've been married for 22 years. I got three beautiful daughters. They're dual citizens. Uh, 18, 20, and 24. Trey's Trey knows them. Uh, you know, they're Great people. They're pretty amazing. Um, I had six years of my 20. I was deployed. Um, don't. That's not all. GWAT. That is. Uh, I spent majority of that time in the Balkans, but uh, did spend some time in Iraq as well. So, um, I've got a bachelor's in management. I've got an MBA. And I also have a second master's of organizational leadership. Um, I've been with federal government for four and a half years. I uh, worked for the Department of Veterans Affairs. And if you don't know, um, they're broken into three primary administrations. There's the health administration. That's the one you see in the news all the time. Um, there's the benefits administration. That's the one I work for. They do GI Bill, education benefits, home loans. Um, and then also, obviously, your disability. And then... Um, there's a cemetery administration, which is very small. So, um, I start. I definitely didn't know there was three yeah, category three administrations under the VA umbrella. So, I started off in St. Petersburg, Florida, mm-hmm. at the regional office there, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, and in December of 2017, mm-hmm. I took a position here in Washington D.C. So, um, a little side note for for your listeners. I, uh, I'm a 35-year rugby player. I still play old boys, play a couple days a week, and uh, I played all-army rugby um, and combined services. So um, I had the fortunate pleasure of you know, traveling to a lot of different countries representing the, the U.S. Army and the United States playing rugby. Um, 
I'm a, I'm a dog lover. I love good cigars, great whiskey, ride a Harley, uh, music and travel. So that's me in a nutshell. Coming through with the facts up front right. so we can get to the business. So one of the big questions that, you know, I think I, that I want to know, that a lot of people want to know, is what is the biggest problem that soldiers are having? Well, hold on. Let me put that back. You as a senior leader in the military and now a senior leader in the federal government, being able to have both sides of the perspective, what do you think leaders in the military or anybody really should be helping themselves and their troops do upon before their transition or coming up to it or after it has happened? That's a pretty loaded question. Okay, and if, <laughs> very, very but, loaded. Uh, you know, there, there, there is. Uh, <laughs> you know, so let's 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 try and capture a few things. Okay, um, number one, mm-hmm. you know, military service, and I think most of your listeners are affiliated with the military, whether they're, they're serving themselves, have served, or they're you know maybe a spouse of someone that's in. Um, so let's. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, you know, those last couple of years you're in um, and then when you first get out. So while you're in the service, okay, um, we've got to focus on education, okay. Yep. okay, and I kind of made some notes. So, but while you're in the service, let's, let's break that down. We'll talk about education, um, talk about your resume, how your military experience is applicable to the civilian world, and then we'll also talk about that transition for your VA benefits to address your medical. Okay. I'll talk about documenting your injuries and preparing your VA paperwork. And then on the flip side of that, we'll talk about when you um, are separated from the service. And when I say separated, you know, whether you stepped away after five years, after a single enlistment, or you've stayed, you know, 35 years, we'll talk about your education Mm -hmm. after the military, um, some of the benefits and some of my experiences that worked out very well. Um, and then we'll talk about the federal job application process, um, talking about fine tuning your resume and, um, the documents you need to ensure that you get into your, into your application process so that you are, um, you're checking all the blocks and making sure that you've got everything you need in there. We'll talk about, um, civilian resumes a little bit, not too much. And then one thing I really need to talk to your listeners about is expectation management. That is so huge. Okay. Yeah. Everybody, you know, everybody's the best thing since sliced bread when you're in in the military. Okay. And we think that, you know, Hey, I I led a squad. I led a platoon. I led a company, you know, I need to, I need to walk out into a six figure job. Okay. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to happen. Expectation management. So we'll go into that. Um, And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about disability processing and the benefit of what what are called veteran service organizations. So, um, so that's kind of the agenda. I'd like, you know, kind of the notes I prepared to talk to you about. Um, so let's talk about education first. So, education into it. is going to be the other than the career training you receive, the education, formal education from whatever college you attended in the military is going to be the biggest thing to get your foot in the door. I don't know what the, 
tuition assistances now. I think, you know, when I left, it was like $4,400 a year. And I don't even remember how many. Yeah, it's pretty close. I don't remember how many classes I would pay for. But just take one class a term, okay, at a minimum, and get as much as you can while you're in the service, okay? I know that it's hard. I know you got long hours. um, But I also know that the soldiers that were taking night classes, okay, if they had to leave at 6 o'clock because they were going to college, you know, we made those concessions, okay? And I would hope that your leadership would do the same for you. If they don't, you got to work around it, whether you go to a university, um, you know, an online university like Phoenix, okay? But let me tell you, I know everyone says mission first, and that is true, okay? But when you leave, it doesn't matter what branch, what unit you're in, the, you know, the Army, Navy, Marine Corps, Air Force, Coast Guard, they will replace you in a heartbeat, and they will not call you for advice, okay? <clears throat> they don't. We're all, everybody's replaceable. We're, we are all, we are all a cog in the wheel, facts. okay? And, mm-hmm. you know, Trey and I have kept in touch over the years, okay, since I retired in 2011. And I've kept in contact with a lot of people, and it's pretty easy to do through social media today. But, you know, the Army has not called me and said, we are falling apart for Sergeant Wunsch. We need you to come back, okay? They're not going to do that. It's not going to happen. So at some point, you've got to find that balance to take care of yourself, okay? And education is one of the primary ways to do that. Because no matter what, if you're in the Army for six years or, you know, 36 years, okay, the it is a chapter in your life. It is not the end-all, be-all, you know, oh, I'm out of the Army, I'm going to die tomorrow, okay? It's not how it works. It is, it is I no, served no, for no, 20 no. years, okay? But I'm going to draw from the benefits of my service for 40 or 50 years, okay? So my time in the Army, sure, when I was young, it was a, it was a large part of it. But I've already been retired since 2011. Okay, I'm going on eight years. Um, you're here at the end of this month, you know, and it has gone by, and it has gone by in a blink. And you, you have to your education. You have to get your education. I'm not saying you have to finish it while you're in, but you need to get as much as you can while you're in. I tell people this all the time. Like, especially, like, when I was coming up, you made us do, like, correspondence courses were big back then. All that stuff was big back then. And, like, you know, if you're thinking, you're sitting from your vantage point, you're like, man, I don't want to be doing no school. I ain't got to do no school. You know what I mean? Or whatever. I get it. Everybody thought that for a period. And, yeah, it's fun to always go out and stuff like that. And you're going to get that time. Trust me. You're going to get that time. But after it when, it, when it really starts to come into effect is when you become an E4 and you start looking at all your peers and you're like, oh, man, I got to start getting this to get promoted. And you start to get a little sense of competitive. Either you're going to take a turn to the left and say, all right, I kind of need to buckle down a little bit. Or you're going to keep partying and keep doing everything that you shouldn't be and focusing on the bigger picture more than just right now. And I think that's, you know, Chris, that's where you paid a huge role in my life because, you know, I was came in straight knucklehead. You know what I mean? Like, let's face it. So 17, 18 years old, you get to Europe and you can drink. All right. You, cause that's the law there. We follow the law there. So uh, we had this rule in my platoon, you know, that if you, 
got there, you had to make sure you get your driver's license first, do your full um, head start course, knock that all out, do all your air processing and everything. Well, me and my buddy Bram, there we were, just reporting, just reporting in a good old K-Town, Kaiserslautern. You know, we, we'd been through a couple days of training, and I actually think it was like the day before the last day. Just couldn't hold out one more day. Um, so um, we went out, and somebody was, you know, because we got real life problems in the barracks, you know, somebody was taking somebody else's T-shirts and green socks out of the washing machine and dryer. So our platoon sergeant being the responsible person that he is and making sure that everybody kept a close eye on all their valuables, you know, we did security on that washer machine and dryer uh, for 24-7 to make sure that everybody's clothes <laughs> was given to that person that paid for it. You know, it was a great plan until um, that plan come to about 4 o'clock on a Friday night and my buddy Bram missed clocking in and that's when it all started. Reality checks, Betty and Sally cleaning tire chains, finding my favorite stick, the stuff that really, honestly, a lot of people complain about, but I'm so very thankful that I had a chance to go through it because I needed that discipline and you need that. Um, so it really changed my mind to saying, man, either I'm going to get, either you're going to get stronger or you're going to get smart. So I was like, man, I just want to be a little <laughs> bit of both. So, um, <laughs> I do. I, I played the field perfectly. So um, I'm very thankful for those lessons. Um, if I've yeah, never told you that, but I'm sure it. I had. It's, uh, um, believe me, I was the same. I was the exact same. I, I was you, you know, just 18 years earlier in Germany, you know, and I was right down, right down the road in Misa yeah. acting like an idiot, you know. <laughs> I, was, I was out of control. Yeah. And uh, I didn't want to see you guys make the same mistakes yeah. I made. So. But, uh, yeah, yeah. here we are. 18. Absolutely. So back to the the college, I feel like, you know, a lot of people do say that it's hard to do college during, you know, the military or whatever. And I tell people this, and I really like that you said this, um, and that's what a good leader would. Don't go in there and try to overload yourself and do all this college at one time because it's not necessary. Just do one every, just one every semester. There you go, four a year. You know what I mean? There you go. It's slow and steady. You know, you can even do the 16-week courses online. You don't necessarily have to Absolutely. go to a brick and mortar. Do the online. Do the 16-week course. Slow and steady yeah. wins the race. Because when people try to get out and you're like, oh, now I'm going to go to college. You know what? I don't think I've met, honestly, but like two people that really got out, rushed to get out of the military and that said they were going to college, like actually going to the campus and went. Yeah. In 10 years. Like you don't really people. Everybody says it, but yeah, nobody does. Great it. intentions, but then so, real life hits, and you know those paychecks aren't coming in like they were used to because everyone gets you know in the army first and fifteenth you're getting paid, you know, and once once that consistency stops, you know you got to work, and uh, most people don't have yeah. the option of just going to college. So, but we can talk about we can. I've got some notes in here about. GI Bill and stuff like that and how it helped me and and um you know I'll I'll talk about that in, in a few minutes but um you know when I can't I cannot stress and we've focused on education while you're in here in a minute or for a few minutes now but in addition to education understanding what your facility has to offer and 
I feel really bad for people that like get out of the army and I always say army, but out of the military as a whole from overseas. Um, and when I say overseas, mm-hmm. Germany's pretty established. Um, but I know like Korea, you know, yeah. they're, they have a, a, a much smaller package of everything. And it's hard to, you know, find jobs from overseas and it's, it's just difficult, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, go to, I'm sure it's still called this, go to the ACAP office and, and learn about what mm-hmm. programs the federal government has for veterans. Um, I'll tell you about a program. It's called WARTAC. WARTAC is a program where they, is for the VA, for VBA, for my administration. And it is, um, what they do is you apply, you submit a resume, okay? And they really qualify you. And then they put you through training while you're on term, while, while you're still in the service, okay? Or, and or terminal leave. And you walk out of your uniform and walk right into a federal job and nothing could be more secure than that. Let me tell you. Um, my, I had my challenges. Okay. They say the average person takes, um, the average veteran has four to five jobs before they get into their next real career. And I fell right into that metric. I on the nose. Okay. I had, Four, four jobs, yeah. up and down, some highs and lows. and uh, But these programs, and I'm sure other agencies, uh, other federal agencies have similar programs. But this WARTEC program is absolutely perfect, okay? But they teach service members while you're still on active duty, okay? And you get hired directly into the federal service. And we'll talk about, you know, grades and stuff like that in, in a few minutes. But most most employers today require bachelors okay you know back 20 years ago if you had an associates you were you were good okay that has transitioned to a bachelor's and now bachelor's is you know barely cutting it and now almost a master's yeah a master's is now the you know the what puts you ahead okay but if you don't have your bachelor's you're you're probably not going to qualify for a lot of jobs. And when I say jobs, I'm not talking about, you know, Walmart or anything like that. I'm talking about, um, you know, higher, higher pay, you know, 60, $70,000 a year jobs. Okay. Um, but go to school, get your degree and get it as much done as you can while you're in the service. It's free. Okay. Save your, <clears throat> Save your money, okay? Save your GI Bill for stuff you want to do. We'll talk about that. But um, if you're not sure what you want to study, just study something you enjoy. Any degree is better than no degree, okay? But sure. uh, business degrees, um, management degrees, those are always applicable to jobs, okay? Um, you know, history degree is better than no college at all. Okay. Um, you know, most of America is not working in their field of study, meaning, you know, I've got, I've got, um, guys on my staff that have, that have, you know, English degrees and they're, they're writing contracts. Okay. Other than being in words, that's it. You know, they're not teaching, they're not, they're not doing anything with that degree. 
but the degree got got their foot in the door because it was a hiring requirement. Okay, so get that degree. Yeah. I, I can't stress how important that is. Um, let's talk about your resume while you're in, and this is you know this is part of that out processing that ACAP process, but there's federal resume writing classes. Okay. The civilian resume writing classes, and they're two completely different beasts. Okay. Your federal resume is, is, can be massive. Okay. My personal federal resume is, I think it's 12 pages, you know, and it, it's a, but it's, it's a complete historical document of my entire, um, military career and my experience and what you do is you you create this master okay and you you identify everything you did and all the skills and trades and trainings you you learned at all your duty stations and you identify that so you make that that master resume and then when you find a job you want to apply for you copy that and you make then you you save that in USA jobs and then you edit the, the copy. Okay. And you have to go in and you have to critique that resume to the job you're applying for. I guarantee you, you will not go through, get into the selection process. If you don't modify and edit your resume. Okay. It, it is not going to happen. So, um, Military conference, you need to be able to translate those into civilian terms. And that's one of the things they teach you those federal resume writing classes. But, you know, if I, if I put on my resume squad leader, you know, does a guy in, yeah. in the IRS that never served know what a squad leader is? No, he doesn't. Okay. Absolutely not. You know, you've got, you have to translate that into civilian speak. You want to avoid, um, military acronyms because heck I, I served 20 years and I talked to some people that are in today and they say acronyms. I'm like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I'm, I'm feeling old. So, <laughs> yeah. um, those NCR yeah. OER bullets, those are great starting points, but you've got to convert those. Okay. Um, I'll tell you, you know, we put a lot of weight, in the military, in our, our awards and our ranks and stuff like that. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I'm proud of the fact that I was a first sergeant, but you know what? No one has ever looked at my military ID and, and said, Oh my God, you were a first sergeant. You know, it, you know, they don't know the difference yeah. between a first sergeant and a staff sergeant. Okay. And yeah. we know the difference in the military, but when you walk out that door and you take that uniform off, that rank doesn't matter anymore. It really doesn't. And at all, and at all, Trey, I think we've had this conversation, but I mean, I still have people, you know, call me top or a first sergeant. And I'm like, you know, Hey, just call me Chris. Okay. And I get it. It's respectful, but that chapter's done. Okay. And you can look at it, you know, the army was a, a vehicle for me to get to where I wanted to be and take care of my family. It was not the defining factor. It was not, it did not define me of, of everything and I've ever been or will be. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's a saying. It's like something I do, not what yep. I do. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that was just, just. But I think it shocked a lot of people when I was getting out. Like everybody's like, "Oh, you're going to be 20 today. You're doing so very." Da-da-da-da. 
And you know what? I never had any real reservations about it. I never, as many people said it, I never once thought about it. Like, oh, I'm going to do 20. Like, I mean, like, yeah, I guess you think of it like or whatever, but I never really thought it all the way through. I knew I was just going to keep going until I figured it out and probably cross 20. But um, when the time came, you know, I felt like, um, you know, there's a lot of stigmas around military. There's a lot of people think, oh, you went to the military. That was all you could do. That's why you didn't go to college, this, that, and the third, you know, like, so all this stuff. And I, I just wanted, you know, I felt that it was imperative for me to show my child that, you know, and that's why I got the degrees. I said, I wanted her to see and him to see that it wasn't about, yeah, I did this one and I, but I also went and got all of these. So you, this is a starting point that at least you need to cross dad. If you cross dad, I'll be happy, but I'm making it really hard for you. You know, because the world is going to make it twice as hard. Absolutely. So there is no, uh, there is no army emergency relief in the, uh, (laughs) in the, in the civilian world. Okay. So, um, (laughs) good old AER 930-4. So on your resume, you need to take time to do it right, okay? And you want to do all this on your army time, on your military time. Take time to do it right. If you if you do, I'm telling you right now that if if you or one of your listeners tell me, hey, I I did my federal resume, I got it done in about an hour, I'm gonna say get back to work because it's not enough, okay? Um, you need to create a a, a true good master resume um that is all encompassing don't expect it to be you know a one or two hour process or you know anything less than that if it doesn't take you three four five hours or multiple sessions um you're probably selling yourself short and your expectations are probably not um very accurate so one thing i would say along with that real Mm -hmm. quick is that military language is completely different than civilian language. Do not think, because you were the guy that were putting all the red ink on the NCOERs and council statements, that you know your punctuation or your grammar better than anybody else. Because let me tell you, when I got out, I got busted over the head in that first English class. Like, oh, (laughs) this is not what they want. Like, let's back that up. There's a difference between there and there. Like, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, nobody, somebody's grading me. So, yeah, you know, take the time. I think if there was one thing that, you know, they teach the Army writing style. I remember that course. Um, But, you know, I really think they need to teach, you know, civilian writing style, especially I know, like, contractors and a few MOSs inside the the military really get that. But if you, you know what I'm saying, you got some free time and they got it around your base or whatever, free course – Check it out, man. It's it's working absolutely, and you know we've we've kind of become a crutch to Microsoft Word and spell check, okay. But um, mm-hmm. you know if you go if you, you know, go through a hiring process and they say, okay, hey, here's a piece of paper, give me this writing sample, and you've got to type it out, you know, or you've got to write it out by hand. Oh my gosh, you know, and I'm just as guilty as anybody. You know, my spelling is still terrible, but uh. It is, uh, you know, but my grammar, you know, and grammar and punctuation and all of those basic skills that, that are important and your resume needs to reflect that. So one more thing with that, a lot of people miss a lot of big opportunities because of writing. When you get out, you're going to, there's going to be a lot of scholarships, 
grants and stuff like that that you could possibly do. But guess what? It takes a writing sample for you to write something. And that is so intimidating to a lot of people. So they're like, oh, can't even do it. Like three pages, three pages. You can write that in 10 minutes. And you, but you, but you haven't given yourself the time or 